Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be together tonight to look into your word and and in in looking into your word to see you as you are. And I pray, Lord, as I've been praying throughout the day, that you would help me to make you real to those here tonight, to those... um, tuning in through Facebook or through the recording, and we just want to know you, we want to know your love in a more real way. Help me, Holy Spirit, to speak those things of Jesus that are real, that are true, and that make hearts come alive knowing his love for all of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I'm calling tonight's teaching... I'm calling it The Love of Jesus, and I've been on a theme. I think some of you would um, remember I've, in the last number of weeks, I've taught on the, the sympathy of Christ. I've talked about the compassion of Jesus, and I'm on sort of this theme along those lines of wanting to grow in understanding his heart toward people, his heart toward us. Uh, We learn in the book of Hebrews that he's a sympathetic high priest, that he sympathizes with us when we're weak because he experienced being human and he always will be human. And so he understands the struggle we go through as human beings because he's been here. And we looked at the compassion of his heart. There are many verses Uh, that indicate he's very compassionate. Um, It says at certain times he would look over the crowds, and it it says in Scripture that he was moved with compassion. And I think as I've looked into these verses and I've looked over this theme the past number of weeks, I, I just have come away with a greater appreciation for who he is. He's more sympathetic than we think. He's more compassionate then we think he's more loving. I mean, we think he's loving, but he's more loving than the thinking that we have of his love. And so I just want to look at one passage tonight that highlights, I mean, there are many, in just the Gospels, there are many passages that highlight his love. Um, Certainly, uh, there's a verse that says, no greater love has you know, any man that he would lay his life down for his friends. There, I mean, Jesus demonstrated his love at the cross, most certainly. But throughout his ministry, there are a number of instances where it was very evident he had such a, a profound love for people. So I want to start in Mark chapter 10 tonight. Uh, it's right there on the notes. Again, if you're 
checking uh, in through Facebook. You can get these notes on our website, gphop.org slash teachings. But in Mark chapter 10, we have the story of the rich young ruler. (laughs) And we know he's a rich young ruler. When you read all the gospel accounts, you find different details. And in one account, he's like a political ruler. In another account, he's really wealthy. In another one, he's, you know, he's young. And so he's got it going. In the, in the world sense, he's got it going. He's young. He's got money. He's got political influence or authority. And he's everything that you think is what, you know, that guy's got it going on. And he has this chance encounter with Jesus. And it's just such a moving encounter. I mean, I think of all the centuries of people who have lived through all the millennia. There was one brief generation where people were able to stumble into Jesus. I mean, what a, what a unique honor and privilege and responsibility to live in the one time period in all of history where you could accidentally run into the Son of God. What a remarkable... I mean, I just think, what if he would have appeared in, you know, the year 2000 and we got to see him, but he chose 2,000 years ago as his time and we have all sorts of interactions throughout the Gospels of people stumbling upon... God the Son, the the second person of the triune Godhead. And so Jesus is walking around during his ministry, and we pick up the story in Mark chapter 10. It says he was going out on the road. Jesus was going out on the road, and here comes some guy running at him. Mark says the guy comes running out of nowhere, basically. And I love the detail that Mark records comes running, kneels before him. I mean, imagine the drama. I mean, he comes running out of the, you know, he's sweating and he kneels, so he kind of gets down and does that thing. I just try to imagine the story. And he says, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What do I do, good teacher, to live forever? Good question. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Interesting response. No one is good but one that is God. So he's already teaching him some theology. I just think that response is interesting. Then he goes on to say, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And then the young man says, he answers him and he says, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth, I've done these my whole life. Everything you just said, I have kept the Ten Commandments. And then this is, this is the line that I want us to get tonight. Jesus knows everything. Even though Jesus took the 
the real humble posture and says, no one's good, only God. He is God. And yet he was pointing away from himself. He just had such a deep spirit of humility. He was always pointing to his father, even though he's equal with his father. Very interesting way that he he showed us what greatness is. And he says to this man, verse 21, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, there's one thing that you're lacking. I want us to hear this. It says, so he listens to the answer. It says, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And came and come, take up the cross and follow me. He gives him a pretty, excuse me, he gives him a pretty heavy message in about two verses. He looks at him, he loves him, and he says, well, there's one area I'm going to put my finger on today. And I would just say this, we tend to think that there's a hundred areas God's trying to deal with. In reality, there's usually one that he's trying to put his finger on. And we usually know what it is. It's the one we don't want him to talk about. (laughs) We're going to find out what that area is. But we kind of assume God is sort of nitpicking and he knows all of our sins. And so we kind of think, he goes, Well, it's good that you do the, you know, you obey the commandments, but there's a hundred other things I want you to focus on. The fact of the matter is, I'm going to repeat myself, it's that there's usually just one that he's saying, in this season of your life, just get this, work on this one issue. And so that's good news. For you listening tonight, he's not trying to change 500 areas in your life or even 50 or, or even really five, but there's usually one major emphasis. And he puts his finger on it. He says, ah, if you, if you kind of go this direction, it'll be way more blessed. And we all have to be sensitive in each season of our life what that one is. But he hits the money issue with this young man. He says, all you got to do is just sell everything. (laughs) Now, does Jesus say this to everyone? In a general sense, it applies to everyone in different ways. But he was very specific in giving this instruction to this man. He says, look, I know you've got a lot of power and I know you've got a lot of money. And I know you've got a lot of influence and a lot of youth and health and everything, but if you really want to follow me, if you're really serious, I'm going to ask you to go give all that to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. If you can do that, you will have your answer. Seems pretty heavy. He touches on the one thing that most people then and most people throughout history and most people today don't want him to talk about, which is money or possessions, or lifestyle. 
We want to be radical for the Lord. We want to be all in. We want to be disciples. But just don't talk to me about money. Just don't talk to me about my possessions. Just don't talk to me about this or that as it relates to wealth. And Jesus says, look, you can't serve God and money. I'm offering you freedom. I'm offering you a promotion. <laughs> now, that's not even the point of my message. I want to I I keep reading here because that's not the end of the story. In verse 22, we know what happens. It says the young man, it says he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So Jesus says, here's the way to the most powerful life that you're imagining. This, this young man was asking, how do I inherit eternal life? And, and probably what the young man was thinking was quantitative, length of time. Jesus answers qualitative, depth of quality of life. Interesting how he does that. Because we don't earn salvation by giving away money or possessions. But based on how we live, we can experience a greater depth and meaning of life now, a quality of eternal life now, as we follow Jesus based on what he asks us to do. So he asks this man, if you want to touch this quality of eternal life, sure you're going to have it forever, and every single believer in Jesus will have eternity forever. But if we want the quality of it now, there's a certain way we have to live as disciples. And the way that is, is we, we have to hear what he's saying and we have to do it. Many hear what he's saying. Many are, oh, I want to be radical. What do I do? And he says, oh, just sell everything and give it away. Whoa, oh, whoa, wait. I didn't know you were going to talk about my money. I didn't know you were going to talk about my possessions. I mean, I got all these cars and houses and properties and islands, and you sure you were talking to the right guy? And he says, oh, I know. I know I'm talking to the right guy. Let me make a point here, because really my message isn't about the money. It's about the man saying these things. Jesus, in encountering this young man, who's zealous, he runs up to him, he gets on his knees, he's desperate, he thinks he's desperate. He really wants to know, and Jesus tells him, here's what you do. But before he tells him, here's what you do, we get the most amazing piece of information. Jesus looks at this young, zealous man, and he Says, says he loves him. He looks at him and loves him. He loves this young man. Even though he had this inflated view of himself, I'm radical, I've been living the commandments my whole life. He has this inflated view of himself and he doesn't even intend to do what Jesus says to do. And yet Jesus says, he looks at him and he says, I love this man. 
And I just want, I want us to grasp how does Jesus think of people who maybe are a little bit self-righteous, far overestimate themselves, and don't even really intend to do what Jesus tells them to do. What does Jesus think of these people? The Bible says he looks at them and he loves them. He really loves them. He loves me and he loves you even when we're overestimating our obedience and we're, and we're really not even intending on doing what he's going to say. You know, I get annoyed by those people and I get annoyed with myself because a lot of times it's me that, that does that. I overestimate where I'm at. And I, and I don't do the things he's telling me to do. And I, I get annoyed with me and I get annoyed with others, but not Jesus. And, and you got to know this. When he looks at you and me, he goes, oh, I see everything. He goes, I, I know what you think and I know what you're going to do and not do, but I just, I want you to know when I look at you, I love you. It's so important to get that down first because when we get that down, it helps us break through in how we view others. Because we're going to meet a lot of people in our life, they overestimate themselves, they fall short in obedience, they don't even intend to do what the preacher's saying or what Jesus is saying or what the Bible's saying. They don't even really intend. If, if, if there is something where they ask a question and they get the answer they don't want well I'll just that's not the answer I wanted I'll go somewhere else it's remarkable to me and I hope it moves us tonight that that's how Jesus is what does Jesus think of someone who thinks he's got it together, thinks he's obeying, but really isn't and doesn't intend to even really obey. Jesus says, I have great love for those people. Friends, I just want to reiterate when he sees you and he sees me, he knows, he knows everything. And he still says, I look at you and I love you. You're not fully doing it like you think you are. And you're, there's an area over here, I'm going to put my finger on it and you're going to recoil. But I want you to know I love you through all of that. And here's the thing, when we know that, and when we see others like that, sometimes the people like this rich young ruler, sometimes they get it right later. You know, this, this passage could very easily have read, Jesus looked at him, was annoyed by him, and said, you lack one thing. Jesus looked at him, felt hatred. Because he wasn't going to obey. I mean, how many things could that have said if it, were, if it were us? The love of Jesus. 
I'm humbled when I when I look at Jesus through scripture, I'm humbled at how he carries himself. Because there's no one more deserving of our obedience, and yet he's so patient, knowing we'll disobey. And I don't want to disobey. And I and I don't want to cling to idols, and I don't want to love money above him and and most Christians are in that same camp, I would think. There's a vast majority that says, I really want to love him, but we're so weak. And we're over, we're, we're, we're kind of thinking we're, we're beyond where we really are. And, and when Jesus is talking to us about an area, we kind of brush it off and don't really intend to do it. And he's still, I, I love you. I love you. I want us to understand that. I want us to remember that when you imagine Jesus looking at you, even when he's trying to put his finger on an area, he's not annoyed. He's not filled with hate or anger. He's looking at you and he's looking with love, with a heart of sympathy, with compassion. It's like if he was here right now in his white robe and his big old shiny beard, and if he was talking, I mean, just get me out of the way. If he was here tonight, he would be looking at us with love in his eyes. I love you. And there's one area I'm putting my finger on. But I want you to know I'm not putting my finger on that area because I hate you or I'm angry or, or I'm annoyed but because I love you, I want you to break through and be closer to me and experience the, the deeper quality of eternal life. He wants us to experience. You know, I think one of the more remarkable scriptures in all of the Bible is John seventeen three. John 17, John says, this is eternal life. He defines it. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. John describes eternal life as knowing God and knowing his son. And so that's the same vein that Jesus is answering this young man. If you want to know God, if you want to know me, if you want to go to a greater depth of discipleship and experience that, then there's an area I'm putting my finger on. Just give it away. For some, it's money. Uh, for, for some, it's career. For some, it's relational. For some, it's forgiveness. For some, I mean, there's a list of 100 things. And for everybody, that one issue is different. But he's usually putting his finger on just one, not a not hundred, not five hundred. You know, sometimes I'll meet with people and they're really anxious and nervous and they think God's nitpicking and, he's, and they're thinking, well, if I get a thousand areas straightened out, then he'll love me. And it's actually all discombobulated. That's what the enemy does to our mind. The fact is he loves us first and from that love, he goes, not, not just, I got one area actually, not a hundred, one, just the one area. I have written here on the notes, 
probably the most important area. Probably the most important thing that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to get right. He wants us to excel in love. And we will never excel in love. We will never be elite level lovers if we don't understand that He loves us even when we're weak, even when He's putting His finger on an area. We'll never love people who are weak if we don't first comprehend that He is able, as He did in Mark to this young man, say, I'm looking at you. I see you. And I actually love you. And because I love you, here's an area to consider. And by the way, if you, if you follow through in that, you'll go deeper in me. He's always extending these gracious invites because there's no end to him. There's always more. And we so often, like this rich young ruler, we kind of go, Oh, man, he wants me to give up money and possessions. Oh, that's horrible. And Jesus is going, look, I'm asking you to give up pennies to get gold. But we think the pennies are the gold. He says, all you have to do is just give away all those pennies and you got bars of gold in your account. Those bars of gold are me, knowing me, being close to me. That's gold. Everything else in this world, here's the thing, we, we need money to pay bills. It's okay to have possessions, but there comes a point, like in this man's life, his possessions possessed him. His money was his master. And so Jesus goes, I see what's going on here. Of course he knows we all need money to do life, but he knows when money becomes our master and when our possessions possess us, he knows. And so he says, cut it off. I want you to be free. I want you to know the freedom where nothing's holding you back. This issue is gonna come, it's gonna get to greater and greater prominence, I believe, as we get closer and closer to the Lord's return. We live in the most prosperous country in the history of the world. I mean, even someone of just a median income has more possessions than people could have ever conceived just even 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, I think to myself, I've got a, I've got a house that has indoor plumbing, that has running water, that has contraptions that keep my food cold. For thousands of years, that would have been thought of as like another world. That, that would have been like a space movie. And we just so quickly complain about a thousand blessings. We're like, my internet's slow. Well, thousands of years, they didn't have internet. I mean, we can literally communicate with people instantly across the world. And we're... Yeah, even just 40 years ago. I think the more prosperity that we live in, it's hard for us. It really is hard for us to see how much it holds us. And Jesus is saying, for those of you tonight, if money is your master, if possessions possess you, or whatever it is, maybe it's a, uh, a sensual thing that 
that has gripped you, or maybe it's, uh, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit fills in the blank, whatever that one area is, he's saying just give it away and take up your cross and follow me. Then you'll start to touch the eternal life that you've been asking about because everybody's saying, how do I go deeper? How do I know God? Well, then when he actually answers it, then it's on us. Because we want him to, like if we don't like the answer, this is what people do today. Well, I didn't really like that, so I'm just going to switch churches and ask a different pastor. Well, I didn't really like that he talked about my money or my possessions or, or my relationships or my this issue or that. And so maybe if I just go to another church or talk to another leader, God will change his mind and talk something different through them. And no, that's not how it works. We're talking about the timeless truth of Scripture. If God puts his finger on something, you, you, can't, you can't get a different opinion. Either you, either you do it and reap the benefits or you go a long time and maybe in his mercy he repeats himself years later. But when God speaks, God means what he says. We have to learn how to get, uh, when Jesus says something that we like, great. And when he says something we don't like, great. He's God. And if he says it, it's best for me. I think people get so nervous with that passage. Do you think that Jesus is saying that to me? Do you think I have to give away everything? Maybe he is. But it seems to me like if you, if you do what he says, it'll go really well with you if you do it. Oh, we need to excel in love. We need to grow in love. We need bigger hearts. I tell you what, I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. And I want to see me the way Jesus sees me. And I want... I want everyone here. I want you to I want you to I want you to know how Jesus sees you because through that you will see other people well. Well, I think I've poured out my burden on you tonight here. Jesus looking at him loved him. Let me just give one final thought. We live in a culture that is just consumed with giving an opinion. We have an opinion about everything. We got hot takes. We got mic drops. We've got people, you know, Christians even, that are just getting caught up in this hot take culture where everybody's just venting on social media. And I feel like what Jesus is saying is take one out of my book Don't just say anything. Don't just react. Don't just give your hot take. Do the Jesus way. Here's what Jesus did. Before offering his thought, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. The people that we want to give a hot take to or snap back at or comment or something like that, do we first take a minute to look at them and love them? And then from that place respond. I think so much more good would happen if instead of just saying, well, you know what you need to do is just this. 
I need to grow in this, we all need to grow in this, but we need to begin to make the leap from just reacting, hot take, oh, I'm gonna just drop my mic. I think what we need to do is we need to look at our audience or we need to look at people and we need to consider them and we need to consider that Jesus loves them and that we should love them. And maybe they don't need our two cents or maybe we need to tone it down or maybe we need to offer it in a different spirit. Let's not get swept up in, in, in the, the kind of the, again, that knee-jerk, hot-take sort of, you know, the media's gonna do it, culture's gonna do it, but the church has to be of another order. We have to do it like Jesus. And I think if we do, we'll win people to him more. Does that make sense? Okay, amen, amen. So Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And my prayer tonight is simply this, that you would help us to know your love for us and in turn we would love others. I pray tonight that this passage would be real, that people watching through Facebook, folks in this room, would know that you're looking at them and you love them. And though you have areas where you're putting your finger on, it's out of love that you speak not out of annoyance, not out of hatred or anger, but out of love comes your commands. Out of love comes your call to obedience. And I pray that we would do the same, that we would love others as you love us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.